Thank you. It's good to smile. Let the, let the joy of the Lord come through. I'm going to start by reading one verse from 1 Timothy. Well, four verses. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And just pray one more time. And, and dear Father, Almighty God, I thank you for the opportunity. I think we all thank you for the opportunity to serve you. It is a joy, it is an honor. to know your presence, to be your friend, to walk with you hand in hand, Lord, by the leading of your spirit. There's nothing like it in this whole world. And we thank you for your covering upon us. We thank you for your heart towards us. We thank you for your great salvation. And we would ask that even now, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will come and Holy Spirit reveal the mind and heart of God for each one of us. We need you all the time, Lord, and we thank you. Don't let us drift, but let us press in. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You know, amen. Thank you. This is a story I told at 15D during the corona, the corona lockdown. It's probably one of those embarrassing stories. You probably know I have quite a few of them. <laughs> That's just the way it is, man. <laughs> Here. Moses wanders into the desert and encounters God at the burning bush. John the Baptist dwelled in the desert to fast and pray and get closer to the Almighty. Jesus goes into the desert to fast and pray for 40 days to seek his father and to beat up the devil. The Apostle Paul hangs out in the desert regions to fast and pray, receiving revelations from God. Early monks trekked into the desert of Egypt to pray and fast and to seek the Lord. And in 1983, Richard Porter is dropped off in the desert for 10 days to fast and pray to encounter the living God of heaven and earth. What a saint. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to fill you in on the painful story. I lived in Fort Collins, Colorado. Anybody ever been there? None of the American. Okay. Fort Collins, Colorado. 
and we had two weeks off from work. And I wasn't married or had anything going, so I was wondering, what am I going to do on my holiday? So I thought, what I will do is go out into the wilderness for 10 days and fast by myself and seek the Lord and have visions of God and like Isaiah and Ezekiel. That was really it. And, and coming up to that time, before I was, I was to go, even at work, I remember standing just praying under my breath at times. At times, I got an appointment with God. I'm going to meet with God out there, fasting and praying. It was a, a real Christian holiday. <laughs> so I decided I will go to this place, 75 miles from Fort Collins. It was called Pawnee Buttes. It's just flat prairie, nothing there except, except these two half mountains, you know, with the top cut off these two buttes no trees no nothing and and that was it I go out there with two 10 gallon things of water so I don't die I knew the place was full of rattlesnakes which it was and um, so I bought this shepherd's crook thing in case I ran across one I could you know get away I probably wouldn't have done much good but I, I did run across two of the snakes but I kept a good distance I had a one one small man tent and I kept it zipped up in the sleeping bag clothes because you heard these stories of cowboys climbing in their sleeping bags at night and there was a rattlesnake in the bottom of it. It's true stories. <laughs> so the friend dropped me off there and I told him, pick me up in 10 days. I should have checked the weather before I went <laughs> because, because during those 10 days, honest truth, there was a heat wave that lasted through that whole time, Fahrenheit, 115 degrees, which would be 46 centigrade. For, and I had no place for shade, no nothing. I wouldn't go into the tent because it was like an oven in there. I should have brought tea bags because my water was, was so hot. And also, <laughs> you, you, you know, it, it's crazy. And a farmer left his bowl out there. And that's the honest truth, too. And where are you going to run and hide from a bull when it's just kind of prairie? So I always had to keep watch for that 10 days, make sure he's way over there. And if he come over, I go way over there. Yeah, that, that. And you know, you'll be pleased to know that on that first morning, I did meet with God and he spoke to me, but I didn't like it. I don't know if God's ever spoke to you and you didn't like it. He doesn't always say nice things to us. Sometimes he's, he's quite direct and it's not always comfortable. I went out there to have visions and revelations of God, divine encounters, and this, but this is what I believe he told me. Richard, I want you to shave off your beard. It was down to here. It was my last vestige of hippie coolness. And, and I didn't want to do it. And I thought, Lord, I don't know if I could do this. I couldn't pray for those 10 days because that kept coming to my mind. And I kept thinking, but Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't know if you're like me, but that's the way it was then. Uh, you know, and, uh, and the mantra kept going in through my head. Head, I want you to shave your beard. Whether it was God or not. I can't really say, I believe it was, but even if it wasn't, it shows, showed me where my heart was, you know? And um, so the next 10 days, I sat there burning up with tea bags and, 
and the bull and the rattlesnakes. I was bored and I was hungry and I felt convicted the whole 10 10 days wrestling with myself before God. It was a real Christian holiday and I would recommend it to anybody. (laughs) We'll plan one for the church next year, you know. I'll lead it, yeah. (laughs) But you know, this experience wasn't wasted. I learned such a critical lesson about fasting and praying on that adventure. It's found in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings? When I went home, I I was so sunburnt, the skin was peeling off me. I was like a starving grasshopper. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Big lesson, even in our fasting and prayer. The point is our fasting will be a waste of time if we aren't following God's path, if we don't come ready and willing to obey with an obedient heart. Fasting as a spiritual discipline was also never intended to stand alone. It's not the big magic wand. You know, I fasted for 10 days, so God has to listen to me. Fasting must be accompanied with prayer, obedience, a godly desire, and hunger to meet with God. And when we fast, we come with clean hands and a pure heart. Otherwise, it's just wasting our time. And I would say, don't waste your fast. Don't waste your prayers. Fasting should enhance our prayers and our desire for God. And you know, this is something I I have been seeing here. I don't know whether it started at the Kingdom Come conference at Shane's Castle or when, but just even this last two weeks, whether I'm seeing right or not, I I just feel like there's a real acceleration of the Holy Spirit going on among us. I I think God God is breathing on us, and we're going to start, and we're starting to see the answer to our prayers over the years. And God is moving things things at a exponential rate right now. And and I I believe like what He says, you know, in Hebrews, seek the Lord while He is near. Seek him when he may be found. And this is the time. This is not the time to draw back. This is not the time to drift. This is the time which we are doing with the 40 days of fasting and prayer. It's the momentum, but we got to keep it up. And I sense it when I look around um, and I see God's spirit brooding over us. I don't know if you ever look around during the worship service. Sometimes you could just see it in, in the way God, people are responding to the Lord. You know, this is something I never saw before like this here. Maybe it has happened and I wasn't there. But this last Thursday, the intercessors meeting had about 40 people, about 15 or so young people. I, I, and, and it was alive. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was charged with God. Now, why did all these people and the young people show up? Because God is accelerating something here. And he's saying, let's get in. Let's pray. Let's move on. 
the Lord is breaking out in more power. I believe that. And we fast, we pray, and maybe it's time for us. He's accelerating things. Maybe it's time for us to accelerate a bit and shift it into fifth gear in our heart for God. But let's, I would say, move into the extreme. This morning, I want to continue on what John talked about last Sunday regarding intercession and fasting. And we just want to talk a little about the biblical view uh, of what intercession is. It, you know, it's a bit more intense and sacrificial than we often think um, intercession is. As John demonstrated last week, you know, I call it praying in the extreme. I'm sure we've all had lots of words to describe this kind of prayer and fasting. We use words like passion, desire, innovation, obsession, a radical zeal, there's tears. You know, the great Scottish reformer John Knox, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he got to the point in his life where through his own tears he was praying and he said, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or just wipe me out. And God answered that prayer. It would be like us praying, Lord, if you don't save Antrim, then kill me off. That's the heart of an intercessor. That, 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 that's, that's moving from just praying to true intercession. Lord, I can't live if you don't intervene for this island. Intercession is not natural. So, so don't think I got to drum it up or do something about it. It, it is not natural. It, it's not normal. Prayer is when we ask in and through the Spirit. Intercession is when the Holy Spirit pleads through us. There's a difference. Prayer is alignment with the mind of God. Intercession is an alignment with the heart of God. That we come to the point to where we care as much as God cares and we'll sacrifice like God sacrifices. That, 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 that's what makes intercession. It's not just words. It's letting God grab our hearts and, and wring them out. And I would just say, let's not waste this time or waste our fasting but let's change gears and, and make, make some moves. Lord, give me that kind of heart and that divine ache for the lost and, and give me the heart of an intercessor. But then you would ask, well, well, what is an intercessor according to the Bible? Like to say, it, it runs much deeper than making a lot of noise or raising our voice. You know, noise and groaning will probably happen. But if that's all we do, we, we have missed what intercession actually is. Listen, this is Isaiah's description, we know it well, of the Messiah. is prophetic. It's a quote from Isaiah 53, 12. He says, therefore, I will give him, he's talking about the Messiah, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death 
and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You all with me so far? This, and what I'm talking about here, you may be thinking, well, that's really high flute and super spiritual, but it's not. It's coming to a place where God grabs your heart. We'll talk about that. But in Luke 22, 37, Jesus read this out and he said, this is about me. But let's take a closer look at this. What prayer did Jesus pray on the cross? Because that's, that's what the whole chapter is about, the cross. And the only prayer, the prayer we know from the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. They don't know what they are doing. So what is it that made that prayer so radical and extreme to be called an intercession? Well, the rest of Isaiah chapter... In, in, in chapter 53, verse 12, or, or 53, tells us why. It says, verse 4, as he prayed that, it said, he took our infirmities, he carried our sorrows. That's something about what intercession is, that you take someone else's pains, you take someone else's lostness, you take someone else's, even their sin, and you take it upon yourself, and then you take that to God, and God works in you, and you start to feel the pain that perhaps they are feeling, and you take it to God. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was, was upon him. And this theme runs throughout the chapter, but the point is, if Jesus had just been praying, Father, forgive them from his own house, or on a Thursday night prayer meeting, it would have been a very good prayer. It would have, yeah, we'd all say, yeah, that's commendable. But perhaps it wouldn't be an intercession or praying in the extreme. And what made this prayer an intercession is that he was, kept, as while he was calling out, Father, forgive them, forgive, forgive us, he completely identified himself with us. He was identifying himself with our sin. He was identifying himself with our pain, our hopeless despair, and he was taking it to the Father. He was taking the sin of the world upon himself. And, and that, I'm not saying that we take the sin of the world upon ourselves. I'm just saying that's why it's called an intercession. It wasn't just words. He was taking everything of a person and bringing it before God. He was sacrificing himself for the needs of others. He even allowed the fate of the guilty to rest upon his shoulder. shoulders. Intercession goes beyond words or just acts of praying. It's a heartfelt sacrifice. And, and it's not just in words or feelings either. It's going out and really doing something for the persons. But it's here in verse 12 of Isaiah 53 that we see the heart of what it means to pray in the extreme. Where it says, and he poured out his life unto death. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. It's like, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Lord, give me Antrim 
or I die. I can't drum that up, but God can for those who really want this. And I'll give some examples here. But in, in Stephen, in Acts 7.59, it was almost a similar situation. While they were stoning him, it says, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Would we have that kind of heart? That's the heart of an intercessor. Even while you're executing me and stoning me, he's praying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That would have been a good prayer in the Wednesday night prayer meeting. But what made it an intercession that he was taking all their, he, he, he was there for them. Now, at the moment, we aren't dying a brutal death like Jesus or Stephen. In the future, we might, but we don't have to be a martyr to pray in the extreme or be an intercessor. We just need the heart of God and the love of God beaten in our chest. Um, I'll give two examples here. I hope I can explain them all right. You know, I never used to, in my when I first became a Christian and for a long time when I was single and everything, I never really had much of a heart for young people or kids. You know, I, I thought these are other people's children. <laughs> I don't know if you ever felt that way. Probably some of the young men do. But, but, but I, just, I just wasn't there and it was never my comfort zone. And then one day, and this is what God can do. He could catch you at the, at the most weird moment. I, I, I picked up a Time magazine, and the cover, this was a few decades ago, and the cover said, Britain's children, unloved and unwanted. And that, that was the main theme. I felt led to read that article, and as I was... I tell you, when God touches your heart about something, it, it never goes away, especially when you revisit it. But I, when I read through that article, I just kept weeping and weeping. And the tears, I was wetting the pages, you know, for, for Britain's youth, unwanted and unloved. And God did a, a thing in my heart, and I think he was leading me into intercession. Ever since that time, you don't know the prayers I pray for the youth, but I've been praying for them for decades. And, and whenever I can, I will do what I can to love them. I don't do great. I embarrass myself a lot. <laughs> but, it's, but there's a, something in the heart. It's moving from just prayer to intercession. Dear Lord, I won't go on anymore about, about that just for time. But sometimes it's, it's like what Paul says, you know. Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes 
for God's people. He doesn't just pray. He's interceding for us. There's action in that, not, not, not just words. He intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. You know, I would like to be more reserved and dignified. <laughs> but God broke my heart. Not, not, not just for the youth, in other ways too, where he touches me and my dignity often went with it. I would like to be stoic. Just ain't going to happen. <laughs> but my hope, even for the youth, if anything, is that they at least remember they were loved by their grandparents in this congregation. And I just would ask, what's God doing in your heart during these 40 days of fasting and prayer? What are we asking him for? And let's not waste our fast. Let's not waste our prayers. Here's here's one where God really grabbed me. I probably talked about this a few years ago, but I was associate pastor in Parkhead, Glasgow for four years. And the flat where I lived was right up Parkhead Cross where all these roads came together right under where, where my flat was. I lived on the, on, the, on the third floor. And when I first got there, I didn't know anything about the people in the area, but I remember looking out and, and it was just tithing all the time with cars and people. And I remember in the mornings I would stand out there and, I just, and, and my, my prayer was, Lord, please help me to see these people like you see them. And help me to love them like you love them. And, and, and that, that was my main prayer. And then one night, early on, this young woman comes in after the evening service. And she's just walking like this before in front of me. And she, and, she, and she was just going, oh God, please help me. Oh God, please help me. And, and she said, you know, I, I've, I have, I'm on heroin. I've OD'd three times. Oh, God, please help me. And I had a talk with her, and I, I said, we'll do whatever it takes to help you. And the church wasn't involved in anything like that at the time. It is now, but it wasn't then. And, um, and I, I, I said, we'll help you. We had a talk, and she says, says I'll meet you can I meet you, you know, tomorrow? And she told me where and when. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. Well, I went and she wasn't there. And, um, <clears throat> and then I get a phone call a week later, a pastor down the road. And he said, Richard, do you know, I'll make up a name because I don't want to say her name. Do, do, do you know Sally? And I said, yes, I met her a few days ago. And we were going to meet, but she didn't show up. And, and he said, well, she said she had met with you. And I just want you to know that she had died. She died of an overdose. And, and would you want to help at the funeral? Worst funeral I've ever been at. You know, and, and I, I did my part there by just looking around at all the drug addict friends and her family and her little boy that was there. And I, and I said to that pastor, you know, we got to do something about this. Because heroin addiction was so rife there. And, and so we got, make a long story short, got Teen Challenge and everything in there and working with them. You know, and I would go out and, 
the heart of an intercessor. I, I, I would go out and, and talk, talk to the addicts. I would go to the park where they would usually sit and sit with them and try to talk with them about the Lord and just things. And, um, and you know, I, I would even invite them up into my flat to talk with them. And, and I remember one of them said, nobody's ever asked me into their house before. My, my flat was broken into twice. The door was kicked in once and they come in and rob me. But I, it was the heart of God. Man, I, I thought, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> and kept inviting them in and we, and we kept working with them. They have a great program now for that at that church. But the thing was, I noticed a shift from that funeral. It, 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 it's, it's like, like where God grabs your heart in the, in the most strange places. And I would stand in front of that window, like I said, every morning and pray, Lord, help me to see them like you see them. Help me to love them like you love them. But then it got, after that funeral, I would just stand at the window and I couldn't get the words out. Just be the floods of tears. I think it went on like that for the four years I was there. And I'm not joking. It, it was just... Uh, God's heart doing something supernatural that I would see his heart and pray and go out and do something. He was leading me, showing me. This is what intercession is. You're carrying their sin. You're carrying their burden. You know, you're taking what they have on you and then you're taking it and giving it to God. That's the heart of an intercessor. And I would say this for every revival starts with prayer but when you read and look at it you you realize that it's when God really breaks in and it turned into intercession that's when the revival broke out don't waste your fast don't waste your prayers you could also say don't waste your life God has so much for us You know, I was thinking like, like John, our pastor, often says, our intercessors and journey intercessor meetings can be a bit disturbing, <laughs> especially to first-time visitors. But I'd say, hey, sometimes I find them disturbing. <laughs> sometimes I would disturb myself, praise the Lord. <laughs> but it's easy to judge those moments in the flesh, isn't it? You walk in, you just think, this is a, a wild place. But I tell you, no one's trying to put on a show. We're, we're, we're hoping to connect with the heart of God and see his hand and save this island to see him really move with an awakening. Here, Moses was such an intercessor. Exodus 32, 32. He says, please forgive their sin, but if not then blot me out of the book you have written. Let me suffer their fate with them, Father, if you choose not to forgive them. That's the heart of an intercessor. Romans 9, 1 to 4, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. This is Paul. You know, it, it came upon him. I speak the truth. He said, I'm not putting on a show. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. 
I am not lying. I am not lying. I'm not putting on a show. I speak the truth in Christ. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Ghost. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. That was the heart of God leaking out. He was saying, I would go to hell and give up my salvation if I knew that would save my people. That's the heart of an intercessor. History tells us this is how all the great revivals of the past, Wales, Hebrides, Belfast started. You, you know, there was a time, 1859, I read about it in the, in the Belfast revival. It, sa- it said one time there was 20,000 people with Bibles in hand and botanic gardens there around the university praying together. Can you imagine that? What happened? Somebody was interceding, (laughs) that's for sure. Give me Scotland or I die. I'll just reiterate it again. It's, It's not natural and we can't drum it up. But if you ask God, Lord... I would like to be an intercessor. Lord, I would like to know what it's like. Please open my heart. And then what will happen, he'll catch you in a moment. You aren't even expecting it. And when he grabs you, you'll know it. And he'll start molding you. Perhaps a good place to start is just with this prayer. Lord, help me to see my neighbors like you see them. Lord, help me to see my family like you see them. Lord, help me to see the youth on the street in my church like you see them. Lord, help me to see my enemies and my friends like you see them. And help me to love them like you love them. And see where that actually takes you. He catches us by surprise. Lord, give us a heart of intercession at a time like this. When you are moving, help us to move with you. I would just say a prayer. And dear Father... We're always asking you for the impossible. And we're always asking you for for the things that we cannot do. For the things we cannot deliver. But Lord, we are not the Savior. All we are is your children. But we ask even today, you will stir our hearts and take us deeper. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. And higher. Lord, I pray you give us such a heart that we will will climb the mountain and grab the lapels of heaven and drag it down to earth. 
through our prayers and intercessions. I know we don't have to beg you, but I know you're looking for us to want it as much as you want it. And we pray do a work in our hearts. In Jesus, in your precious name, amen. Amen.